Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, uh, how many marketing emails would you say you get a day? Mm, on average? Yeah. 5,200. Sure. No, oh, I know. Wow. I, know. <laughs> I, I had a busy it, it inbox. It feels like, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to be in the hundreds, maybe? Over a hundred. Really? Like, I don't know. It feels like a... Now, now I'm combining work my work pers- and personal. Okay. 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 Man, that still seems like a lot. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I haven't gone through a purge lately where I, you know, where I get really nasty and hit unsubscribe on all these things yeah. and try yeah. to make them go away. I'm very quick to do that these days. Oh, I'm sure so you've somebody, got a better workflow. If it's one I. of those people that, like, is tracking what happens to their emails, they're mm-hmm. probably like, this guy, like, didn't even really open my email. He just unsubscribed. <laughs> like, yeah, I did. <laughs> So, I mean, he didn't so, even give us a chance. So do you think right. these marketing emails are even effective anymore if we're just deleting and unsubscribing and oh, we're getting annoyed by them? I think we're going to talk about that a little I bit think today. We are, actually, yeah. <laughs> well, here's a staffer. The average worker receives 121 emails. Oh, a see, day. I'm in the ballpark then. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, so, and I don't know how much of that is actually the marketing spam type stuff, but, you yeah, know, it's okay. out there. So, yes, we, we brought back with us Jody Costa today. Yes. For marketing. Yep. If you might remember, she was on previously for the uh, one of our Vartex sessions. Yeah. Yes, about live. creative marketing tactics. Yes, mm-hmm. so decided not to put her on the spotlight live today. But we also miss her entourage now, unfortunately, too. But we decided to bring her back to talk about this topic. We're going to get into, you know, is email marketing still useful? Yeah. Is it still productive? Yeah. And you know, we're going to assume that it is. Like, you know, mm-hmm. spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, but we're also going to give you some reasons how you can how you can build out yes. your email list a little yes. bit more beyond what it currently is. Yeah. Once you have someone on your email list, how do you keep them there? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about what other kinds of online marketing tactics. She might recommend for us. Mm-hmm. This is good stuff. This if is you're good, stuff, if good you're, perspective exactly, with Jody. If you're a reseller, if you're in sales, in marketing, whatever it is, how to reach out to your customers, how to get a captive audience on your email list. Very good stuff for us. This is actually a topic, once again, that came from one of our listeners. So thank you so much to George Biastre for sending this in. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your insight here. We've actually got a couple questions that you specifically wanted to have answered. So, of course, you know, again, good stuff. I think we're going to have a fun conversation Absolutely. here. It is time for us to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. I just want to remind everybody the uh, Tech Connect podcast is brought to you by Intel, mm-hmm. who is reminding you that they have a uh, an on-demand webinar with Blue Star. That's us. That's us. Uh, Supermicro and Reliant. <laughs> it's called Powering the Smart Stores and QSRs of the Future. Check out the show notes. I will drop a link to it. Nice. It is an on-demand webinar. You just go right to the link and watch it immediately. Good nice. Stuff. So, yeah, good stuff. Hey, as I mentioned, our guest today is Jody Costa. Jody, welcome back to the show. We love having returning guests on. It means clearly we were impressed by you the first time. Right. Uh, and, and, and you made us look good. You did, yes. <laughs> we could not have asked for someone better. Yeah. No, well, no. We, you know what you're talking about. When we did this whole live show impressed. thing, it was like, all right, who are we going to have? And we had Cordy for one of them. We That's knew right. he was going to be fine. You yeah. know? And then we brought Jody, and we're like, all right, we knocked this out of the park. That's we, right. We, yeah. we actually made ourselves look good here. Uh, <laughs> Jody is the VP of Marketing and Strategic Partnerships at, at Barcoding, Inc. Uh, Jody, thanks again for coming back. Uh, what have you been up to since we last saw you at Vartech? Well, thank you, John and Dean, so much for having me back on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be back and uh, on an award-winning podcast. And I think you should throw that out there. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Thank you. Tell that every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a great time. So very, very excited to be invited back. Uh, Barcoding Inc. You know, things have been busy. Like 
for most everybody in our industry, uh, first quarter coming here to a close and kind of hitting the ground running. Um, I always feel like our first quarter is just this launch out of the gate, you know, just like boom, mm-hmm. you know, shooting off into, into the, into the new year. So, um, keeping very busy and, uh, working, uh, hard at prioritizing our, our brand, our thought leadership in the industry, as well as supporting our new enterprise platform IntelliTrack. So, no shortage of work. No shortage of work. And in and, and seriousness, we, we appreciate Jody's perspective of having, you know, what are the retailers going through? Well, we got good insight here. Yeah, I mean, we have our understanding of how we right. think marketing works, yeah. you know, from our perspective, which is mostly yep. marketing to resellers right. or exactly. sometimes end users. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's good to have someone who's actually there in the trenches and understands yeah, like how to market on that back end there, too. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, then let's start talking about uh, email marketing. So you got spam filters now mm-hmm. and you've got security protocols that are stronger than that way. Apple just introduced their whole thing where like you can't really you know get all the info about tracking anymore of mm-hmm. who opened what and who clicked on what. Uh, rules in EU and Canada that are stronger than ever about who you can who actually you can market yeah. to and GDPR, how whatever. you can get their info. Right. Expensive right. list. It's expensive to buy a list oh, if you want man. to try to market to it. So is email marketing even worth it anymore? <laughs> Oh, no, no. So we can just close this. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> We're done here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, email marketing is near and dear to my heart. I actually prefer email to almost any other form of communication. A lot of people who know me, they know that if they can't get a hold of me any other way, that I'll probably respond via email. So, um, no, I think email is very much still alive. I think it's actually more important than ever. I think it's just now we have learned. Uh, We use email more effectively than we did in the past. um, And we're more mindful of the recipient, you know, kind of more empathetic, I like to say, of the the recipient. Um, It's interesting, you know, you you brought up Apple's changes and some of the things that people may have noticed since those changes occurred is, you know, kind of, they may seem like, you know, open rates have declined, but actually engagement might have stayed the same. We're just not getting the same type of data back. Um, so, you know, just thinking about kind of email effectiveness, it's, you have to be very mindful of what you're actually tracking, right? So how do we determine if email is still effective and, and still the right, um, course of communication? Well, you know, kind of how expensive is it to, to do, right? It's still a very cost effective way of communicating with people. Um, it's still probably one of the most cost effective ways of reaching out. Um, so you're going to see a good return on investment if you're very mindful of your lists and your database and all that, right? Um, you can target very effectively using email. Um, it's, it's very easy to personalize email these days. Um, it's very easy to brand your emails effectively. And, and honestly, that email can also serve as, uh, you know, a standing web page. So those, you know, view and desktop, you, these, all these things are additive to your brand and your web, web presence. So email is serving a lot of different functions, but if I'm looking at a standard ROI, you know, it's cost effective, you know, it's giving us a return and it's allowing us to be flexible to our customers needs, our partners needs and our, you know, basically the world at large. I'm still very much 
pro email. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's why you're here. And, so, and you're not yeah. the you're not the only one though, Jody. I mean, we there was a research that, that came out that said email is one of the top free, and I like that, right? Because it is cost effective. It's one of the top free organic distribution methods for B two B marketers, according to eighty seven percent of us. So, right, right. you know, right? So eighty seven percent believe exactly what you just said, Jody, and then you know that is clearly one of the advantages. And when you think about email, I mean, sorry, folks. Yeah, it's out there. It has a reach <laughs> unlike anything else. Yep, I mean, yep. what what was the other statistic? I think 99% of people yep. have check email. It, well, check, check it every day. Every single day. Right. You know, you hear those those commercials from like radio. You know, right. radio, this old technology. Right, right. But, but they always promote the fact, well, we've got reach, you know, uh, whatever. Right. 75% of adults listen to a radio every day. I'm still one of those people. Oh. Oh, yeah, I know. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know if every day, I don't know if it's every day, but anyway, it, there is a huge reach, right? right, and, right. and and so it is uh, still. And here, I'm going to pull out one more statistic that I, because, you know, I've always felt probably misguided in my feelings that maybe email was for a older generation, right? right? That the, the kids aren't checking their email. Well, 73% of millennials consider email as their favorite method of business communication. Yep. So that that made me feel a little bit better. Yeah. You know, hey, even the kids are, are kind of getting on to the... Hey, the millennials aren't really kids anymore. Oh, that's true. <laughs> They kind of get mad at us for referring to them that way now. Well, they are twenty five to forty, so yeah, they're yeah, not kids yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Okay, they're having kids of their own. They have their own kids now. <laughs> I don't know how they feel about email marketing, but well, they've grown up and they appreciate email. But in all seriousness, I agree with, with with Jody that you know it is it's cost effective, and if you do it right, yep. and that that's really maybe the commentary here. We got to do it right because. Exactly. Bad people can sniff out bad email really, really quick. Oh, yes, they can. So, yeah. So, yeah. I'll throw out one more quick little stat yeah. here related to what you said about the cost effectiveness. Uh, so, this came from uh, mageplaza.com. The average email ROI is $42 for every $1 spent. See, that's awesome. That is three times more than social. That's that's incredible. Yeah. That's a really good statistic there. I mean, there's your ROI. Yeah. If, if you if you got to go in front of the accountants at your uh, <laughs> like, why did we buy this email program? Yeah. Or why or are why we, we investing you know, more in a better email yeah, program? Exactly. Well, because you know, statistically, we're going to get forty two dollars for every dollar we spend. Exactly. Uh, so that's a pretty I think good that's, one. I think that's some some good statistics to throw out there. Yeah. Even though again, think about it. Like even though you as the consumer might get frustrated with email, mm -hmm. maybe you do get you know again. Like I said, I get peppered with marketing emails, especially like as my mm -hmm. role has changed here at Blue Star and mm -hmm. in between our Tech Connect email, which mm -hmm. gets random, you know, spammy emails yep. and my own email and then my personal email. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm constantly getting you know marketing messages that I'm immediately glance at and go delete, yep. delete, delete, delete. And we'll get into that here in a moment. So uh, all right. So then Jody, let's get to that next point then. So let's say you are trying to bid on your email list beyond your current customers and subscribers. You know, it's, I think it's it's relatively easy to get somebody who's already on board with you to give you their email for one reason mm -hmm. or another, but maybe you're trying to grab some more. Where do you recommend starting? Is there any kind of low-hanging fruit out there for collecting emails? I know that seems e sounds easier than it should be because it's really not that easy, but, you know, what do you recommend? Yeah, so, you know, email is just one tool in the toolbox, but our database is, you know, kind of the primary driver of, of how we build a business, especially in a B2B market. And so when I think about our database and expanding into new markets or beyond maybe the customers who have already opted in to give us their information, my, my first thought is always going back to an inbound program. 
So inbound marketing is very near and dear to my strategy at Barcoding Inc. And this is this philosophy of saying, I put value out into the market, valuable content out into the market, and then people will come to me, <laughs> right? So I build it, they come. And they come, right, right. right. Yeah, this is the way I want to, this is, this is how we avoid being kind of those, the, the spammy, annoying marketers. Um, so if I'm trying to build my email database of credible people who are opted in, which is to me, it's, it's, this is the bar, right? There's no longer tolerance in the world for us to be cold emailing folks. Um, we all know the companies that do it to us. We hate it. We should never be these people, right? So for me, that's, it's, that's just the bar. Um, so how do I get people to come to me? How do I get them to opt in voluntarily? Um, this is where the content program comes in. So we're big believers in, uh, in a platform called HubSpot, but there's lots of marketing automation softwares out there that you can use. Um, some are very cost effective to get you in the door um, and then you can scale actually with them. But this is important because you need a house for this database and this is gonna help you start to determine, okay, who do I actually already know and who might they know, et cetera, right? And I wanna be able to measure this over time. So I've gotta have a good, place to build my email database. So that's kind of step one, so make sure you have that place for your emails. <laughs> Otherwise you start growing and it's a mess, right? So we go out there, we start to build our content program. I'd encourage you to think about what your company is bringing to market that's unique and that you have a great perspective on. Narrow it down to a couple key topics, right? And these can be the top of your um, topic clusters, let's say. And all these topic clusters from there, you can build editorial calendars that will support each of those areas. And this is vital because you want to build authority for your perspective on a certain topic. So that's good for SEO and everything like that. But as you build your content program, you'll want to know what pieces of content are just going to go to the world and build that SEO and give people more people on your website, right? So more chances for conversion. But then which pieces of content are so good they should be gated behind a form, right? And then which, you know, theoretically, you're giving people lots of different ways of interacting with you, but, but you'll start to test over time which content pieces that are gated are resulting in leads that make the most sense for your organization, um, which pieces of content that maybe aren't gated are so popular that you should put a gate on them and start to be able to collect um, some information up front. Uh, and then, you know, how are you continuing to bring people through as they search your site? So if they're on your blog and that's all ungated content, where's that call to action at the bottom that says, hey, you loved this blog, you probably love this ebook, boom, goes to the landing page, fill this out. So you start to coordinate all these activities together and give people lots of reasons to, to give you their information and start to build that email database. So you're building you're building um, a pipeline basically of subscribers in one sense, you know, subscribe to the blog, right? Simple, easy, just give me your email address. Then maybe that second tier is I want to build people who like my content or maybe a little step, of, you know, ahead in the research. This is where the gated content comes into play, um, eBooks and white papers and all your traditional advanced content pieces. Ask for a little more information, right? Maybe it's first name, last name, email, company. Um, and then that schedule a consultation or that contact us page where someone's really ready or potentially it's an ROI calculator or something of that nature, ask for more information or an assessment, things like that. So you have multiple pathways bringing people into your database. 
Um, the other, it, am I good to continue? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. All that was that gold. Yeah. All that okay. was gold, by the okay. way. Yes. No, no, no. Right. We're absorbing as we go. You're good. Okay. So here's, here's another, here's another tidbit that I think is good. So when I'm building into a new um, geography, like a new country, let's say. So when we expanded into Canada, um, I knew that I wanted to grow our database and the content program does take some time. So I should say that that's, it's a long strategy, right? It's not going to be an overnight success, right? But still vital. But I went, I may be in a new country. I need to get things up a little bit faster. Um, I'm very much opposed to buying email lists. I, I, I would recommend never to do that unless you absolutely have to. And if you do have to, I would recommend using an email list and inviting people to an event so that they at least feel better about the fact that you're cold outreaching them because you're going to give them some food and drink, <laughs> right? So like sweeten, sweeten the deal. So, but I'm in Canada, I want to expand or I'm in a new market and I want to expand. Um, so healthcare, another one that marketing um, is interested in Canada, the other market, let's take those examples. How do I start to grow my database a little bit quicker? To me, it's all about then the strategic partnerships. So I look for places of uh, growth or associations and in um, thought leadership journals and magazines. These are my top two ways to grow the database without, you know, outside of the inbound con program. Um, the thought leadership angle is a great one because every industry and every market has uh, magazines that are out there perfectly positioned for whatever you're selling. And these folks have marketing programs you can jump on. They, they do their own webinars. They do their own email marketing to their own subscriber base. You want to piggyback on their brand. You want to softly enter on the backs of their brand and then have people opt into you, right? Or you want them to do the heavy lifting. So if they host a webinar, right, and it's part of the marketing program, you get the, the list of registrants back and it's already green lighted that you can add them because the person when they registered said, it's cool that your partners contact me, right? The journal or the thought leadership magazine took care of all that. Then you're good to import all those people into your database and then email them um, with some good, valuable information after that. On the association side, they have similar marketing programs. So if you work with an association, um, they have their own ways of getting you in front of their audience that their audience has already approved, right? And so by going in there and working hand in hand with that association, you're also putting your brand on good standing and you're allowing that association to help you with that opt-in process so that you can add those names uh, without worry or fear that you're going to be annoying someone. <laughs> so those are two, there's are two other ideas I'll throw out there for you. Strong tactics, really, yep. really good stuff there. If we could rewind a little bit because, <laughs> you know, we got to I saw you furiously typing I know, I'm typing away. I'm like, I can't keep up with Jody. There's <laughs> just too much good stuff that she's got in there. Um, but anyway, really strong stra uh, strategy around the topic clusters and the inbound. Let's go back to the inbound marketing, right? I mean, I think that, you know, modern marketers, if, if you're a reseller and you don't, because, you know, I, I still feel like there's some inertia there around inbound marketing mm -hmm. and, and content marketing and and. I think people just have a fear that there's just too much involved in right, there and right. I don't know what I'm doing. It's not as complex as it has to be. And I think Jody did a really good job of kind of delineating. I love your your strategy of here's some free content and here's some gated content. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's it doesn't have to be this vast library of stuff. It can be 
six, seven, eight quality pieces or right. something like that that you invest a little bit of time in and that you know that, that you hope that the marketplace uh, responds to. Really good stuff there uh, as it relates to that. I will add, because one tactic, you know, when you think about building lists and, and love where you went with the press or associations or what I'll call trusted sources and kind of mm-hmm. piggybacking behind their brand, if we bring social into into the equation, and I know we'll get there in a little bit, but, you know, we've had success of Look, most companies have some kind of social strategy, right? Or right. Uh, within LinkedIn, you can, if you don't know this, you can input your customer database into there. And then you can do like a like audience or mm-hmm. something like that. There are soft ways that you can use social through your inbound. Maybe you use it to amplify your inbound marketing techniques. So you're still serving this this audience, you know, your content pieces right. and, and right. hopefully they're reacting to it. But you can you can involve social into that as well. You're going to have to pay for it, obviously, if you're going to promote it to these like audiences or people that are like your customers to to try to do that. But it brings in the benefits of targeting regionally, targeting, uh, you know, titles that you're trying to go after. Uh, But a really uh, kind of a strong resource to help build that list. Everything else, Jody, I I thought you were dead on uh, as as far as, you know, these are good tactics to build your list, right? right? right. Also assumes that you have some kind of CRM or HubSpot. Because when you first started talking, I'm thinking to myself, man, do we still have, we probably do, have resellers out there that really don't have a CRM? And so what is, how are they, uh, how are they building uh, Hopefully not on just a big spreadsheet or something, you know. Right, or just, because you know, like, I remember the old days, you'd have to go around to like Outlook your, contact list, you know. You'd have to, there you go, spreadsheets. <laughs> you'd have to go around to your sales team no and be like, no spreadsheets and ask them, you know, who your co- who your contacts right, can I right. have can I have access to your Rolodex basically kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a good way to build your list. But anyway, a really well, good. I mean, I have a I you know, when you talk about the content, you know, fear, I think that's a real fear for a lot of people and I and I talk to folks about this all the time. I would encourage, you know, people listening to this, if you're if you're in that category of uh, I am I'm afraid of starting a content program because it's very overwhelming. I would say to you, I guarantee if you took one topic and you brought together some of your subject matter experts, you used a free Zoom, you sat down and talked for an hour, recorded it, you have a video now, right? You transcribe it, very very cost effective. Um, Within that transcription, you have an entire year's worth of social media guaranteed bar none because remember not everybody's going to get everything on the first go right so i maybe i pull a quote and that's one of my social media pieces maybe i add a statistic with a quote maybe i pull a snippet i guarantee you you could probably stretch that thing all year and then with your transcript you could write a number of different content pieces you could write several blogs let's say three blogs on on the same topic that kind of break it down you could package that into an advanced content piece because everybody consumes differently, right? So it's not going to matter that you have the video and you have the blog and you have the advanced content piece and they're all talking about the same thing. It does, it, that's not going to matter because people will still consume it differently and it'll be a slightly different angle every time you, you tackle it. So I would not fear the, the content side of building your email database that way because once you have that piece and like you have those components and that one great perspective you want to hammer out to the market, you're right. You know, you go out on social or you, you connect with people on LinkedIn and say, Hey, have you seen this piece that I just put together? Or, Hey, you know, we have this new white paper for downloader. 
you have the tools then in your kit to go out on these other channels and make really good personal human connections. And then that's going to in turn lead to more growth in your database. Brilliant. What a yep. great strategy. Yep. You I know, agree. and record that thing and then yeah. utilize that. I mean, we talk about leveraging assets like that yep. all the flipping time, right? I mean, yep. if you're going to, what a simple, basic way of going about it. Brilliant, Jody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who can't do that? Who can't get some subject matter experts right. in, record a real quick Zoom call, guaranteed out of that dialogue, you're going to get nuggets. Really good stuff. Yep. Even yep. if it's just a line here or there. Yeah. You know, in the end, this to, to me, this all comes down to this idea of coming across, coming by your emails and whatever contact information you're trying to collect, honestly, in some mm, way. Yes, right. You know, because it, it's it, it's very apparent to the to the person you're contacting when you didn't come across them, yeah. honestly. Yeah. You know, because think about it. Again, how many times I get an email and I'm like, how did, why did I get an email from this person? Mm -hmm. Where did they get my email from? I've never heard of this company, never heard of them, have no interest. Sometimes I'll get stuff that has nothing to do with my job or role either. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you clearly got my name and email somewhere. Obviously, you didn't do it honestly in the way, in the sense that <laughs> I didn't give it to you. So again, it's all about what this idea is. It's just like, are you collecting the information that you need and want? Mm -hmm. And are you doing so honestly? And what it comes back to for me is that when you were talking about the idea of using like associations and industry newsletters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We do that a lot for some of our content marketing for sure. and users. It's a pr pretty common way for us because it's industries that we don't necessarily, you know, spend a lot of time directly in ourselves. And right. obviously we're not necessarily contacting end users. We don't have a database of the end users. Right. So we'll go to a third party yeah. and say, hey, association, whatever, you, yeah. you know, you write this, this newsletter that goes out to X thousands of subscribers every day who have opted in to get content from you. I'm going to buy in and, and, you know, send this email through you promoting my, so, you know, promoting my ebook that I want somebody to download and check out. Again, that whole idea of that is like, I'm coming across it honestly. We're sending it to a database yeah. that these people trust and believe in. They opted yep. in for a reason, understanding there may be some advertising. They choose to come and give me their information to request this content. Ideally, I'm giving them content that they are interested in and want to read. Mm -hmm. And I'm and if there's any follow-up from that, it's because we came across that email, honestly. But what I find entertaining sometimes about that is when I'll do that with these companies and I'm just doing a one-off campaign where I need to reach out to this particular audience, have no reason to ever do it again, suddenly I'm on their email <laughs> list. It happens. It's been happening a lot lately. So suddenly yeah. I start getting emails from them. I'm getting their newsletters yeah. now, not yeah. just the one that's got my ad in it that I asked for, but now I'm on their regular newsletter. Yeah, but like, you're not a veterinarian yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, right? I don't care about this. This is not my market. Why right. did you add me to your email list when all I was doing was just some marketing with you? You know, yeah. and I get well, and that's I, where you know the ROI comes back in, right? right. So you know, we we talked, we opened this with like, is email dead? Well, it's not dead because if we're doing these things appropriately, we are getting the ROI we want, right? That's why we want to go get and build our database in a in a, in a thoughtful and empathetic way because it's not because we're just good people <laughs> it's because we want to make money and the way to make money is to you know put yourself in someone else's shoes and like provide value um so when we build our database that way in that empathetic way then then we can do the types of things with email that make email still the most powerful communication tool right we can segment um appropriately and deliver the right timing and the right context which you know, quick story. I I think that everyone out here could has still responded to a cold email every now and then, right? Right. So it's we all know, and these case studies still work. So we're preparing for the Modex trade show, which is next week down in Atlanta. And a few months ago, I got a cold email that said, "Hey, you know, Jody, are you looking to um, refresh your booth this year for Modex?" 
And the day that it came, I was literally, and it was on my task list to think about what the heck I was going to do for Modex for the, for, for my booth. And I wrote him back. I said, actually, I'm just starting this conversation. Boom. We actually bought a booth from them. There you go. From this cold email. So that timing and context is important. And the way that you get there is because you've built your database in a certain way. There you go. You know, that's, that's the key. Yeah. Right, right. All right. So you you mentioned timing, and we've talked a little bit about content already. Mm-hmm. We're kind of getting to some of the into, into our next question here, which is, all right, now you've got someone's email. They've been they're willing. They said yes. <laughs> I do want to hear from you. I am okay with you being you know emailing me on a regular basis. We How don't do we... spam them at this point. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like five emails a day, a day? Yeah. five to 10 emails a day, just about whatever random crap you want to send them doesn't have to have anything to do with it. Yeah, that's, that's how you keep them. So yeah, how do you how do you keep them now? How do you keep them from hitting that unsubscribe? How do you keep them from like being me, where I start suddenly getting veterinarian emails and going, I'm not a veterinarian. <laughs> I don't, and granted, I understand, like you may think that I'm going to be marketing to them regularly, or something, right, but still, right, right. you didn't ask. Yeah. If you'd asked, I would have told you, nope, I don't need to be on this, don't bother. Yeah. So how, how do you keep them now? So there's a couple, you know, schools of thought around this, um, you know, at the very far extreme, I think a lot of folks would do a double opt-in. So they're, they're verifying and, you know, they're, they're taking some really baby steps. Um, I'm not quite there. Uh, I think that once someone's kind of opted in, I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, but I do think in order to keep people engaged, you know, you need to think about the context of why you're sending that email. So what is the person going to get out of receiving it? And what theoretically do you hope that they do? And do you, did you give them options? So for instance, um, we may have an advertising program running. And so someone fills out a, a lead form on LinkedIn for an ebook, white paper, et cetera. And because we use marketing automation software, we can automate this, but you don't have to, you could do this, you know, kind of manually. Um, So then my next note to them is I I just kind of want to find out, are you still researching or actually, are you ready to, you know, kind of talk to someone in sales? And I'm not afraid of saying the word sales because ultimately they, they know I want to sell them something. (laughs) So, um, so for instance, and maybe that first email to them, and this could be maybe people who've come in um, from one of our partnership programs or something like that is maybe that first email is designed in a way that has two paths, right? I'm still researching button and the, I'd like to talk to sales right now button. And that way I can start to understand, okay, where are they in this process? And if they're just researching, I kind of want to lay off. I don't want to pummel them with, um, with information, but I want to contextually time it. So maybe, um, a drip every month, two months, et cetera. Right. And if they want to talk to sales, I want to get them right to sales. <laughs> and then I don't want them to receive marketing emails because I want the sales team to be emailing them all the time one on one. Right. So this is like a small example of just trying to figure out where people are so you can determine frequency and context for what they're going to want. Um, the other strategies involve, you know, I, I, I try to make sure that we give something. Um, we're not always asking for something. So the emails should, um, if you're doing something like a newsletter, which I, I'm still very pro newsletter. Um, I think that one, you want to add your own personal flair. The newsletters that I get forwarded to me are the ones that I, when I used to do a newsletter for barcoding, I did my own editor's corner. Sometimes I'd record a little video and, and I would talk about things and then tie them into the parts of the newsletter or I'd curate a list of articles that I thought was really cool. 
but I'd put myself personal self into it. And that went a really long way. And so I think don't be afraid of the personal give something that they can't get on their own. Um, so give something of value in that email and then use that email as a tool to kind of figure out how do I keep moving them along? Because ultimately we don't just want people who are passively sitting back. We want people who will eventually take some sort of action. So how do I start to kind of understand that that's where email can also be a tool to help you get the right data. Right? So, um, one more example would be, I, I maybe they come in, um, through our website and I have an email that just says, Hey, thanks so much, blah, blah, blah. Right. We're here if you need it. And it's very soft. Well, the emails that they receive after that, my whole goal is to get more info, right? So I may include a content piece that they don't already have that they actually need to fill out a longer form to get. So I can get more information from them, right? Yeah, because ultimately when we grow our, our database, our email database, we need more data points so we can do better personalization, right? And if we don't, we can use the email as a tool to getting those data points as well. So we can kind of push people along. Um, but you know, ultimately you have to, you have to maintain control of your database, which is why spreadsheets a lot more difficult than a, than a, um, a tool because you're going to have people who just receive your email and they never open it and they never click on anything and they never do anything. I think they call this gray mail, right? And you have these people, but they don't, they don't opt out. They don't unsubscribe. They just do nothing. <laughs> right. And so like after how many times of them doing nothing, do we just say, we're not going to email them anymore and we just take them out. Right. Um, so I think it's, don't be afraid of taking those folks out because you want to talk to just your most engaged people and you want to keep them moving along. Ultimately yeah. we need the dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Right. right. That's what this effort is for. And, and, and tools like HubSpot actually help you there. They'll tell you if somebody's oh, yeah. disengaged, right? Like, Hey, you sent this person 10 emails and they have done nothing to it. Uh, type of yeah. a thing. Yeah, really good. And, you know, just some other things to add on there, uh, Jody, uh, to some of the things that, that you said, and it, all of which I agree with. You know, when you think about it, you w w one of the tactics that we deploy is, I'll, I'll go back to the, you know, you don't want to add fatigue to the over already fatiguing aspect of email, right? Right, right? I mean, everybody's dealing with email. So make sure that your content's good, yes, but you also want to make sure you're doing a couple other basic blocking and tackling things. First off, you know, you got to make sure it's mobile friendly. Because yep. I'm amazed at how much emails actually checked on your mobile device, right? Yep. And so if you're designing, and that kind of gets into the design, maybe you can talk about the wordsmithing <laughs> of subject lines. Uh, but but you know, you really do have to have that important. I, I know we've taken a, a much more critical eye on the design. How does it look in mobile? Yep. Because you know, because ultimately, if I could go back up a layer, you know, you are presenting a behavior of how you are showing this content to your customers and prospects, right? And they're going to start expecting that kind of behavior from you, right? And you get into like this groove, like, oh, here's content coming in from Blue Star. I, I you know, I can expect it to be whatever right, type right. of a thing, rather. And and I think that that's important. You know, it's yes, it's going to be mobile friendly. Yes, it's going to be desktop friendly. Of course, you know, we try to. 
minimize the kind of uh, amount of content that you actually have in the email to what I'll call snackable elements uh, with links. You know, right. so you're not trying to give maybe somebody the whole message in the. It's email. not an entire blog in an email. Not a, right. exactly, but you're going to give the tease. You're going to give maybe some visuals to it. Something that it, you would enjoy as you're sc- kind of scrolling through it, right? And say, oh, well, this looks pretty good. Yeah, I want to click in to find out more. Uh, or and that kind of gets into the CTAs, which you were talking about, Jody. And I like your bifurcation of CT, CTAs. You know, what, what are you looking for here? You know, kind of probing and trying to putting their hat on a little bit. Okay, so I've gotten them to click. You know, now or you know what? Now what do we want them to do? Or, right. or what? How can we make this dialogue continue in a meaningful way for them? Right. You know, that's that's really good yeah. stuff, right? Well, and your your comment about design is spot on too, because remember we're you know email. Well, email is a vast topic, right? Because we could be theoretically talking about email that we're sending via an Outlook system, but you know, we've been talking about email that we're sending kind of from a marketing perspective. But either way, you have to know who you're sending to. And I'd rather send to a smaller group of people a very tightly focused, contextually right, personalized uh, message than send to like a bunch of people, right? So, what what used to work? Um, you know, we could just kind of blast everybody on their database with a message. I just don't think today that that's as effective. It doesn't mean you can't do it, um, but you kind of want to be choosy. And so when you think about your communications and what kind of communication should be going to whom, you know, a customer communication may not need as much imagery or, or like things to download in the design of the email. Maybe it needs to just be more text right? Don't be afraid of text, right? Like maybe the customers just need the info and they just need, you know, some branding and out, right? Um, maybe they don't, maybe it's going to hinder that level of communication. If we add too much, we over-design it, right? But maybe for our, those folks who don't know us so enough, we really need to hone in on that, that email design so that we're helping them and guiding them and shaping them through the design um, to take certain actions or to kind of give us more information. Um, so it's, also about knowing who you're, you're emailing to and what kind of information you're sending out and then tailoring that design or that personalization in a way that's going to get them the information they need as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Because that's ultimately good stuff. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the subject line here, John. Because yeah. we, we've talked about that on other <clears throat> podcasts as we well. Have, right. Really, really important. Uh, you know, emails with six to 10 words, uh, as the statistic goes, has a highest open rate of around 21%. Yep. It's, it's critical, right? Yeah. That there, subject. Here's a couple other stats I found related to that. Again, from that uh, the same that mageplaza.com, 64% of recipients open based on subject lines. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, again, uh, almost two thirds, you mm-hmm. know, more than more, much more than half of your recipients are basing whether they're going to even open your email on the subject line and 69% report as spam based on the subject line. Right, so they haven't even clicked in. They're yeah. just looking at so your a, subject so line. That means there's a lot writing on, <laughs> on the, the subject, subject line. lines yes. there. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and this all comes, and again, the personalization part here is, you know, again, I mean, you know, the email content should be personalized, yes. Now, granted, the subject line is a little harder to personalize it there. Is a little you bit. can, like, there's plenty of, you know, programs that'll let you drop in someone's name, for instance. Mm. Hey, John. But, yeah, exactly. Whatever, but yeah. you're also, you know, that's, that's potentially a word that you're wasting or some characters you're wasting there in the subject line. But still, Again, you should. It should be the kind of thing where the subject line gives someone enough to know: Should I open this email or not? Is this mm-hmm. something I need to read now or not? And again, just like we were talking about earlier, where it's very obvious when 
you didn't get someone's email honestly it's also very obvious when you're trying too hard to get them to open an yes, email right. if it's filled with exclamation points now i know some people say that like emojis are actually okay oh, to well, there's a stat on that one. i know yeah. and, and and i guess that makes sense again for a younger crowd that is used to texting where emojis are you know as much part of the conversation as words are these days what was the stat did you find? Uh, emails with emojis in the subject line have a 70% increase in the effectiveness of marketing. But it's again, like, I when guess I read that, it's I'm that, like, what? It's that personalization. It's that idea yeah. that it's not just a st- someone just saying, you know, like, read me now, you know. Right. It's, it's yeah. more of a, hey, this is something that's kind of, you know, it, it feels like someone puts a little bit of effort behind yeah. it yeah. and a little bit of personalization behind it to kind yeah. of make it fun. You fun, know? Like, right. Yeah. Because let's yeah. be honest, emojis are, even though I know, you know, again, people use them pretty, you know, frequently now and it's just a common use thing there's still a little bit of intent behind that Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of emotionality i think that goes behind using Mm -hmm. an emoji because Mm -hmm. you're doing it with a purpose there's a reason why you have selected a certain emoji that's right i know i do that when i'm texting if i use an emoji it's because i'm i deliberately think about i'm sending this for a specific reason because it's going to make my text a little bit funnier Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. i want to really illustrate how much I'm amused by this. Put or, some emotion behind yeah, it. Exactly. Kind of a so thing. I think yeah. that that kind of right. works there too. But yeah, it, in my mind, a, a good subject line can obviously make or break your email, whether it gets read at all. And this is, I think, especially important for the situations where you're trying to draw in new people and trying to draw in mm-hmm. new subscribers. I think you are, if you have an, a regular database who's used to getting emails from you, you can have a very similar, you know, type of subject line. You know, if, if like, I don't know, if it's a newsletter, yeah, you know, like yeah, really good the point. latest yeah. news from right. such and such. But yeah. even that could still, you know, your subject line could have like a little couple snippets about what the news topics that mm-hmm. you're referencing. So mm-hmm. they want to decide, oh, I want to open and read this right now. now. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but again, I think if you're trying to grab some new people, if you're trying to pull someone new in, if you've just recently added someone to your database and you're hoping to keep them there i think that you know understanding and thinking about your subject lines and thinking about some personalization and again this is another one of those situations where especially with a good crm or good email platform you can divide and conquer amongst your various profiles you know yes what yeah. you know about your customer what you understand about who they are and what they're into you know if you sell to various industries if you work with various types of people you know again that same message where you're if you're blasting out a message about healthcare products and half your customers are healthcare and the other half are retail, well, the retail people are going to know like, well, I just got blasted right. with this because exactly. I'm just in their database. Yeah. There's no reason for you to be doing that. You should mm-hmm. have them segmented in some way so that you can mm-hmm. make that separation. And again, you know, ideally, your subject line will be part of what helps make that division for them so that they know, hey, I sent this to you because of who you are and not just because I wanted everybody to see this email. Yeah, yeah. So, right. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Jody? Totally. And I think a good... A good way to just tip your toes, there's lots of research out there on subject lines, so you can kind of just do your own Googling and HubSpot has great tools there too. But I would, you know, just venture to say, hey, look what look what you react to. Um, same thing with social. It's like notice when you stop scrolling. Same thing with subject lines. Notice what emails make you stop. Notice what headlines make you go, I have to click that, <laughs> even though I know better, right? Um, but notice you stop and notice these things you'll start to see structurally what they're doing right so you know in certain cases we may want that subject line to get right to the point so i know exactly what's in there but i may want to do it in a way that's got a little bit of mystery where i'm like wait what i want to i've got to go check that out um but sometimes you do need a more corporate um facing type of subject line and that's okay too sometimes you just have company news that you just need it to be a little bit more formal so you can play around with it, but I'd, I'd encourage folks to just, 
yeah, start to pay attention to what you respond to because chances yeah. are that's a good starting point for what your folks are going to respond to. Yep. And I'll, and I'll be honest, I'm a sucker for the, for a list. Mm-hmm. which I actually will be referencing later. Uh, oh. Spoiler alert for Tech Connecting later on. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you send me an email that says seven reasons why or the top yeah. seven this or the top You're clicking ten this, every time. almost every time. Like one of my favorite <laughs> emails that I'm subscribed to newsletters is Paste, Paste Magazine Online, pastemagazine.com. They just do like articles about, you know, everything from music, entertainment, just a little bit of everything. They kind of cover a wide swath of stuff. They are very fond of the list. And so they will frequently be like, you know, the 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 best fifty science fiction movies of all time. I'm like, <laughs> well, done. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I'm gonna click into your email. I'm gonna be opening that article, and I'll be spending the next like half hour of my life reading through your list, and you know, and seeing what you have to say about it. Like, so again, that's that's an understanding of your audience. And clearly, they've learned at some point that their audience is receptive to lists because they keep making them. They know they, mm-hmm. that they work. I guarantee you, they figured out like every time we do one of these lists in an email, we get more opens than usual and more people clicking through than usual. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. You're part of their data, John. I probably, yeah, I'm sure I am. Yeah, I'm probably one of their like key profiles. Like, let's see what we can get this guy to do today. So, <laughs> all right, well, well hey, let's. You know, just one real quick, one last thing on that, just just so that people, um, you know, with with a lot of the security changes, just to go all the way back to the beginning, um, I would encourage folks to to look at clicks as your main metric because open rates are going to be kind of all over the place, um, and clicks are really going to always tell you who's who's engaging and who's responding. So really good point. We do. We take a look at the, at at the clicks. Uh, you know, again, if you're using something like HubSpot now, you know, the exact person, uh, you can develop workflows around that. If you want to get even more granular on the automation behind it and stuff like that, but really, really good point because those people are engaged and those are the folks that, you know, whether it's that particular message or other ones, I mean, you want to deal with engaged people, right? That's what I think. I think people forget sometimes too, that, you know, the whole click through thing, can be just as valuable as 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 requiring some kind of action. Like I mean, you mm-hmm. know, a CTA is great to have when you can have it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, if it's okay to put a message out there where all you want is someone to go visit your blog or go read something or just go check out a page or watch a video or something, it doesn't have to have necessarily any other context beyond that. It doesn't have to have yeah, some true. lengthy process that you're sending them through that results in a sale or a meeting or a call or whatever. It's fine to say, you know, in my mind, if I put out a campaign and I'm sending it to, I don't know, let's say 10,000 people and 2,000 clicked through, in my mind, that is a wildly successful campaign. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, I got got 20% of the people I was sending this to to actually go look at what I wanted them to look at, even if I didn't ask them to do anything else. Right. That is 2,000 eyes I got on something that I didn't have before. Why am I going to complain about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. That is a great point because... Um, I would say too, with your email program, like don't be afraid to show all sides of your company because sometimes we'll send an email. Um, so one of our <laughs> most successful campaigns was about our service dog that we sponsored, Susie. Um, and so we sent a, a an I saw email that on LinkedIn. Out, yeah. And Susie graduated, and all we wanted to do was tell people that Susie graduated because they had been watching her, her journey. Yeah. Uh, actually, had nothing to do with asking them to buy from us at all, right? So. You know, you, you can pepper those things in, John, to your point where you're not asking for things, you're just giving and you're allowing people to kind of interact and, and not do it in a way that's, you know, you know, asking for too much. Right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap this conversation up then by talking a little bit about some other online tactics. We kind of hinted at a little bit earlier. Social media, obviously, yep. you know, is, is an option. Strong so, one. You know, what other methods do you recommend for 
capturing followers, getting subscribers, getting likes, getting that interaction outside of email marketing? Yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of old school, but still effective blog. Um, the blog is still a great tool. And uh, with, you know, like a marketing automation software like HubSpot, you can have people subscribe to it. And basically what it will do is every time you publish a new blog, people can choose their subscription and they can get an instant email notification or kind of a, a wrap up uh, monthly, which is kind of nice. So you don't have to worry about emailing people. So blog is a great tool. Um, we've been really active on LinkedIn recently um, from a both just a, a organic standpoint as well as from an advertising standpoint. We've been testing um, some advertising across multiple platforms and, and really LinkedIn is starting to shine um, for us. So I would encourage you to kind of check out LinkedIn. It's, it is not, um, you know, the, the, on the advertising front, you are going to have to put out some money uh, before you see the, the immediate returns. But if it's comboed with other types of branding and inbound content marketing that you're doing, I think it starts to make a lot of sense. And it's a great um, so targeting tool too. It's you know? a great targeting, targeting tool. targeting is, is amazing. You get to see, like if you run an ad on LinkedIn, you get to see everybody who interacts with that ad. You, and then you can look up their profiles and, and you can, you know, all that stuff. LinkedIn also has sales navigator. You can follow up with the people who interact with your ads with, a, with an in-mail message. So LinkedIn is definitely um, bolted to the front for us in terms of platforms. Um, but, you know, I don't sleep on the other social media platforms either. And one of our other target areas is YouTube. So um, it's really easy to make videos now. Like I mentioned earlier, just pop up a Zoom, grab somebody from your office and start recording. Um, YouTube is just a giant search engine um, and a great way to collect subscribers um, in the video realm. So we're always encouraging people to subscribe to our YouTube channel and that way we're growing our audience in, in new and different ways. And, and then yes, to your point, we eventually have to get them back to email, but um, we are starting to prioritize growing followers and audiences and other spaces where we know people will spend their time. Really good ones. I'm going to throw a couple more on the on the table as well. And I like where you were going earlier, Jody. I think you mentioned, you know, uh, working with associations in the press. I, th I feel like people forget about that. But all you have to do is offer yourself as a subject matter expert. Yep. And yep. they're they're looking for content, too. Yep. Sometimes, believe it or not, they'll develop an article around you yep. or maybe a topic that you suggest. They, I'm telling you, they're always looking well, for let's be honest, what's the this is a This is a Blue Star podcast, but we're kind of doing some marketing for Jody and barcoding. Right? here That's too right. <laughs> she's i know she's gonna take this and utilize it for her yeah. own purposes so but yeah. i guess the word the angle i was going here as far as online if you become a subject matter expert to a press or to the association mm -hmm. when they're mm -hmm. developing content that they're posting to their blogs and then in, in their newsletters yep. and stuff like that you become a part of that another one that i really wanted to, to bring out as well is use your partner network right so we're, we're all solutions integrators we're all in this ecosystem there's no reason and why you can't reach out to, I'll give you a use case, uh, for a reseller I used to work with, we were, we, we were a uh, VAR, a reseller for Scala, which at the time was one of the largest digital signage software platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, I offered up ourselves to be subject matter experts in their case studies and some of the white papers that they developed. So, nice. you know, they were looking for that type of a thing. Well, we need the voice of the reseller to, to do that. 
So I became that. So not only did I tap into the Scala universe uh, as far as other resellers, but of course they're uh, you know um, marketing to end users. So we got leads out of that. Just becoming you know just again mm-hmm. work your ecosystem. See if there's ways in which you can offer up your point of view or your services. Uh, maybe in the in the form of case studies. I love you know everybody knows how much I love case studies. I think they're really valuable. <laughs> uh, but they are because VARs learn from VARs and end users learn from other people that have done. Right. Right, right. You know, they're looking to do this kind of a thing. So uh, it's I, I think it's a great way to get that kind of ad, amplify your online, yep. uh, even, yep. not through your method, but through other people's audiences. Yeah, yeah. completely agree. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, wrap this thing up here with our, our recurring segments here. Well, before we do that, I do want to, as always, thank our Tech Connect members and yes. sponsors of the show. So what do we got here? Data Logic, Elo, Epson, Honeywell, Intel, and Zebra. Woo! There I, you go. I still keep remembering <laughs> them every time. Thank you very much for supporting us, for supporting our show. We very much appreciate you uh, and, and what you do for us. Hey, uh, as always, if you like the show, like us on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. If you listen to the audio version of the podcast, uh, subscribe, obviously, to that. Leave us a five-star rating or review anywhere you can. You, know, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. We want to know what you think about the show. And as always, if you want to reach out to us, first of all, if you have, just like George, an idea for the show, uh, d- go to the show notes. There's going to be a link there to drop us some mm-hmm. submissions for topics that you want to hear about. We won't uh, spam you. No, we won't. That's right. I promise you. Gonna, <laughs> all I will do is respond to you and say, first of all, I'll send you a free T-shirt for one thing, a free yes. Technic Podcast T-shirt. And then I'll also tell you, like, hey, if we get around to doing your idea, I'll let you know, and you'll get a shout-out on the show. That's all we're asking for you there. Nothing yeah. nothing beyond that. I won't, I right. won't spam you any other way. And, of course, if you want to reach out to us directly, you can always find us on Twitter, at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here, starting off with the value to the VAR. Uh, this is our section where we kind of get to talk about, you know, something related to our VAR audience, yep. a takeaway, again, yep. As Lots usual, our entire today. conversation's been about that. Right, right. This was actually a question that came from George Biastre in particular, you know, and, and I think we've kind of touched upon a lot of this already, but let's kind of concise, make it concise and wrap it up. So, Jody, I'll let you start. What social media and or email platforms do you recommend for resellers to use? Well, I would say, um, like I said, I'm a HubSpot purist. So from um, an email platform, which is actually a much bigger platform, right, you can do all your social media in there, too. Um, that's where I'd recommend. And then, yeah, previously mentioned LinkedIn is my favorite social media platform right now besides YouTube. So those are my top two today. I agree wholeheartedly. That that would be in my list. I know we talked a lot about a HubSpot. I guess we're they should start. Paying we're on us. board with HubSpot too. They, they yeah. need to start paying us royalties <laughs> no doubt, or something like that. But but in all seriousness, it is a really powerful tool. It is. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of marketers talk about it because you know even if you just use it for the marketing portion of it, which is the email, but it's got the sales hub yep. and it's got the CMS part of it where you can actually build out right. web pages that we've started yep. to do yep. and landing pages and and get the analytics and all the good stuff off of that. It's got a wholesale section to it. So anyway, it, it's it's a really powerful tool. Yeah. And I agree with you, Jody. We use LinkedIn and YouTube. We are all in on video and YouTube. Uh, I don't. I, I, I agree, again, wholeheartedly. It's not that hard to create these videos. The expectation no. for people consuming videos, it's not like they're going to log on to you and think that they're going to see Star Wars, you know, this gorgeously <laughs> produced video. You know, it can, it, it can be <laughs> poor lighting I mean, we try. on an iPhone, although this 
phone is is really capable, you know, of producing some of the, some of the best technology out there. Right Absolutely, now, yeah. but in all seriousness, those, those are great platforms. If you're not in them today, you need to be in. Yeah, them. I agree. Yeah. You know, and, and I think also the thing to remember there too, and I think we discussed this back when we did the the LinkedIn section session at Vartech actually with Cordy, mm. uh, was you know make sure you know where your audience is. Yeah, you know, so if your if your audience, the people you typically work with, aren't on LinkedIn, okay, well then maybe LinkedIn's not where you need to invest your time. If you you know if they're if they're on Facebook and right. you know you can reach them on Facebook, fine. You know, put some money behind that and some mm-hmm. reach behind that. Potentially get them there. If I don't know if you deal with a crowd who loves Twitter or something, use Twitter. Whatever it is, figure out where they are. And again, LinkedIn and YouTube I think are two nice baseline ones to always use. That you know anybody should find something useful out of. But just pay attention to where your audience is, where your customers are. You know, go to where they if are. they're not. You know, if they're not playing on those spaces, then go play on the spaces where they are. Mm-hmm. So, simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, hey, let's wrap up, as always, with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, technology, yep. innovation that has caught our eye, got our attention, something we're interested in and reading about. Jody, what's Tech Connecting With You right now? Well, since I forgot to prep this part, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you uh, that, you know, I'm going to take a really sappy route on this and and say, you know, with, with everything going on in the world, what's Tech Connecting With Me is, is my fire pit at home. And the fire pit is is the international innovation and sign to say neighbors come on over spend some time let's hang out have a drink and uh and just you know reconnect as people i'm really excited about being in person at a conference next week and um so yeah so my fire pit and bring people together that's my very low tech it doesn't hey. get much more low tech than a fire pit i, mean, I love it. it i love it's, it you know some of the some of the <laughs> earliest technology but it works it's yes. still it's still something we all gather now, around now jody do you have one of those really the fire pit the smokeless fire fire pits i've oh, been looking at one of those do you you have the old yeah i i have everyone moving around and shuffling from the smoke good okay <laughs> yeah 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 Remember Sniglets? You're waftick if you get the smoke that comes into you. But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good one. I love the old fashioned. Yeah. Yes. All yes, right, what's that connected together with you? too? All right, well, we're gonna go back to Meta. No. All right. So, have to. so yeah, are you getting into the metaverse, Jody? I didn't. I didn't even ask if you're. Yeah. You know what? Are you buying into this uh, whole Zuckerberg? We can talk metaverse and NFTs some other day because it's. A oh, we won't even get started. I'm into at the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Zuck in, in the group there, here's one thing that might be useful coming. I don't know. They're doing a universal speech translator, which I th- okay. think is kind of right. interesting. The Star Trek the, nerd in me has peaked. There yeah. you go. That's going to be in use in the metaverse would p- potentially allow users to communicate uh, communicate across more than 100 languages. Okay. So the idea okay. here is that you speak your native tongue and the meta AI is going to translate it so whoever you're communicating right. with right. will understand it in their language in real time. Okay. So, uh, and of course, they probably have the money and the compute power to do something like that uh, in real time. But anyway, I think that that's kind of fascinating having this kind of universal speech translator. I, you know, but here's I can the thing. See it. I don't want to be in the metaverse doing that. Give me right. this Star Trek communicator pen. Oh, you want the that ear does thing? it for me, or in the ear, or whatever okay. it has to be. Give me the thing that does it for me in real time, so like I can go to other countries. 
and they'll understand me, and I'll understand them, and I don't have to sit in a computer with goggles on in order to. Amen. To I'm do with this. you there. Okay, so they're not there yet, but maybe the AI that they've developed for it, That's and when true. the computer power can get into yeah. it, you know, maybe someday we'll have this universal. Maybe thing. something good will come out of this <laughs> meta thing. I'm, I'm grasping for straws. Yeah. I don't know. Otherwise, it's going to be a dumpster <laughs> dumpster fire, which it probably will be. But anyway, so this what's what's connecting true. with you, John? All right. So I mentioned earlier that I'm a sucker for lists. Yes. Uh, and I came across a list. A couple days ago, Esquire Esquire put out a list of the 50 best sci-fi books of all time. Oh, uh, and and did you agree with any of them? You know what's really, really sad? I've only read five of them. Whoa, no. I'm embarrassed. That's impossible. I'm embarrassed. You worked at a bookstore. You I know. Consume information. I know. I my. How have you only read five of them? M- well, a big part of it is since working at that bookstore, my level of reading, my time reading, has declined <laughs> dramatically. And it's not due to your son, uh, Miles. I, you know, I wish I could blame it on him, but it's 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 more about my obsession with TV and podcasts oh, okay. and movies Fair and other things. You know, Fair enough. Yeah. that I don't spend enough time reading as I should. So yes, I'm I'm quite embarrassed by that. I, I'm going to save this list and make it a point to 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 check off some more on here. But it's a pretty good list. Um, it, it basically. They, the the restriction for was there could only be one book by any single author. So oh, even though some oh, authors whoa, potentially whoa. could fill quite a few on a list, oh, they're like you know one per author is what right. You're so okay. only so only one only one per each author could be on the on the actual list. Now All I will right. give you just the top three. Um, again, none of which I, I take it back. Number three, I have read. Number three was The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. That okay. was the highest one on the list that I feel read. like I had to read that in high school. But uh, you might have read Fahrenheit 451. Well, I definitely read that yeah. one in, in high school. Um, yeah. and, and they pointed out that, like, you maybe you were expecting that, but Martian Chronicles is, is even better. Gotcha. Uh, Dune by Frank Herbert's number two, mm. a, a book I'm uh, bar- again embarrassed that I haven't read. Wait, let's stop there. I will say Dune is like a thousand pages. Well, is it's, it not? It's not quite that long. No, I thought it was it like Warren It's piece. a big book, but yeah, it's okay. not quite that big. And I do highly recommend the new Denise. Villeneuve movie version of mm. it, at least the first half of it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very, very good. And then finally, number one might be a little surprising, but it does make sense if you think about it. Frankenstein by Mer- by Mary oh, Shelley. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, a lot yeah. of people will, will say like, "Is that really? Isn't that more like horror?" Like, but the thing they're pointing out is like, when this book was written, mm-hmm. was at a time that any any kind of you know speculative or genre fiction that had anything weird and wild in it was either either usually like considered as like miracles or mysticism in some yes. way. Yes. Whereas this put was it underside, right, right. This was the mm. first book that actually was it's it's you know fantastical elements were actually based in science. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's why they kind of think of it as one of the first real science fiction books, and one I'm of the ones that's that. never really been topped. Either, I'm good so. with that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I thought that was I thought that was a pretty right. good one. I haven't read it, but I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah. So so I'll send you guys the list. You can tell us how many of these you've actually read. Jody's probably <laughs> going to beat me. I have a feeling she's a little more well read than I am these days in sci-fi. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, there was I will say there was a lot newer stuff in here that I thought there would be too. Like there. There was, you know, some books in the top 10 that were fairly recent within the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. There was a couple, there was one from an author. I'm actually reading a book from her right now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very good list and it, it has a lot of stuff. I will say it's got a lot of stuff that I've seen the, the film or television adaptation of. Does oh, that well, there you go. Yes. <laughs> so I'm at least halfway you know story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Jody Costa, thank you so much for coming back on and joining us. We appreciate having you back. I have a feeling we're going to be asking Thanks, you back again at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, 
guy. I I just love this. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Even Thanks, better. Sir. We we love the 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 guests that love to be here. There so you go. That's right. even better. Yep. All right, hey, folks. Until next time, uh, maybe do some reading. You know, right? Like, sit, sit down. Put, turn the TV off for the night and do a little bit of reading. I'm gonna, not in the metaverse. In the real not world. Not in the metaverse. <laughs> in the real world. And maybe even a a real book. I mean, I look. I like ebooks too. But around a fire, by the it's, way. It, around a fire pit. <laughs> well, there we just you brought go. it all together. <laughs> we put all the connecting together. There you go. And until next time, folks, please stay connected. All right, Dean, we also in this episode talked about subject lines. Yes. So a good subject line should have a good, like, something that catches your eye, yep. pops out of you. How do yep. you like this for a line? All right. One product. Thousands of uses. Love it. I'm clicking. Wouldn't you open that email? Yes. Like, what is this product? What is it? Is it a Swiss Army knife? Is it what? What could possibly have a thousand uses? It's not a Swiss Army. Knife. Okay. The possibilities are endless, though, with Elo's i Series Four. I like it. From self order and self checkout to order pickup and virtual assistance, pair the i Series with a variety of stands to create your perfect kiosk. Audio and video applications, eh, no problem. The iSeries uh, offers a built-in digital microphone and an 8-megapixel camera. That's a pretty mm, powerful device. Yeah. Yes. Uh, iSeries also lets retailers build engaging experiences, educate buyers, create brand awareness, and drive purchases in-store with an easy-to-use interactive platform that can adapt as needs change. And needs are always changing. Yes, they yes. are. Yes. They're always changing. You need to enable those people, by the way, so they, they can adapt to the change. Exactly. Yes, with, a, with a built-in I.O. hub, USB-C connectivity, and optional customer-facing display, you can easily convert your favorite iSeries into a powerful industrial design POS system. Do you have a favorite iSeries yet? You should get one if you want. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Every, them all. <laughs> that's a, that was a very, very, uh, political very diplomatic answer. answer. Yes, there, yes. Yes, yes, yes. To learn more and select the perfect iSeries display for your customers needs contact your blue star either representative all right dean we just spent all this time talking about email marketing online marketing getting your yep. message out to the right people at the right time but obviously yep. you you might need some help with that maybe you don't think you're the best at actually creating marketing pieces or tools yeah, right right well okay. uh zebra is actually here to help out uh, now, creative, effective marketing pieces that get attention and grow your sales pipeline does not have to be a solo mission. Very nice. Zebra's here to help with their new and improved co-marketing builder tool. Love it. Uh, it's been redesigned based on input from their partner community that users now have the ability to customize single assets or entire campaigns, more levels of customization than ever before, easy access to their new partner identifier and certificate, hundreds of new assets to use and an intuitive interface man i'm telling you when i was a reseller i wish i had a tool like don't that. you though yeah you just make it up on your own and in personal with your branding and stuff like that just brilliant use a word doc and try to paste some stuff together and hope that it looks good well this is available free of charge to zebra partner connect members this is a self-service co-marketing platform that enables you to customize zebra marketing and sales tools with your brand spec sheets social media content flyers and brochures, web banners, emails, as we just talked today, mm -hmm. and much more. So if you are a Zebra Partner Connect member, check out the link in the show notes to access the co-marketing tool. And if you're not a member, what are you waiting for? Uh, get in there I so mean, you can get these tools. You might as well, yeah. Absolutely. If you sell Zebra, you need to be a partner. You need to be getting these tools. Uh, contact our Blue Star Zebra team if you need to get signed up. <laughs>